What a great time of worship together. I love that we are a singing church. I love that I can hear. I get, that's one of the great things about being able to sit up front. I can just hear all the voices behind and around, and, uh, and I just love that you guys lift your voice in that way. It's something about um, one thing to hear those up here that do a great job singing, but when we add our voices to that, it really makes for a powerful time of, of worship and just letting God move among us. Well, we're starting a new series today called Surrendered. Surrendered. How do we surrender to our best life? I've had to learn some surrender in the last uh, year or so because um, I've got two daughters that are learning how to drive. One that already uh, learned how to drive, uh, Miana's a senior, she's got her license and driving around town, and uh, Kira, who's a junior, just turned 16 and is getting really close to taking her, uh, her driving test, and so... As a parent, if you've gone through that, you understand there's a, a different stage in life when you move over from the driver's seat and into the passenger seat. And uh, one thing we understand in the passenger seat is, you know what, there's no steering wheel on the passenger in the passenger seat. And so um, that makes it a little hard to control the vehicle. So we're turning over that control to, to you know, our daughters, and they're doing a great job, and they're driving. And and, and as a parent, you know, there's those moments, right, where you want to reach over and just gra grab the steering wheel or correct or do something, but we've had to learn how to surrender. And as, uh, as they're learning to drive, and Kira right now is telling me too with her instructor in, in, in the car, one of the things they're telling him is, right, where to place your hands and how to hold the steering wheel, right? What, what do we remember? Was it 10 and 2? But is, haven't they changed it now? Isn't that, aren't they saying 9 and 3? I don't even know how we're still driving, the rest of us that learn 10 and 2. Okay? But, but anyway, you keep your hands on the steering wheel, and, and then they say, don't white knuckle it, right? Don't grab the steering wheel so tight that your knuckles are white, because what happens when you white knuckle it and grab it so tight, everything else, all your other muscles in your arms become tighter. And then, you know, then you're doing those kind of motions, right? You're correcting, and, and it gets kind of jerky hold a little bit looser. And that's true, too, when it comes to, like, you know, sports with, with, like, you know, with racket or baseball bat, right? If you're gripping that bat so tight, you can't have a nice swing. You have to learn what the right grip is. And, uh, and we're talking about being surrendered. And so what I want you to do right now, actually, I want you to take your, your fists and, and, and hands together, and I just want you to clench your fists together strong. And I want you to hold it as long as I tell you. Okay, until I tell you to let go, you just, just keep, just keep making, making that muscle. Because when we live our lives in a way where we're holding tight, right, we're taught to, to hold the reins to our life, to take control of the steering wheel, make things happen in your world, and, 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 and go after it, right? And that's how we want to live our lives, so that we're in control and we can make, make stuff happen the way that we plan for it. And life goes along, and we're, we're getting our education, we're getting our degrees, we're getting our jobs, we're growing our families, we're doing these things in our life that feel like, all right, life is going in the direction that I want. And we move along, and we, and we go forward. But inevitably, what happens? Life changes. Something comes up that's out of our control, things that we can't handle, things that's been, you know, a relationship that was going great, and all of a sudden now it's not going the way it was supposed to go. The career isn't going the way it was supposed to go. The, the, the finances aren't heading in the direction that you thought. Something comes up, and, and we're continuing to do what we, what we do is we grab tighter. i got to hold on even more. And eventually it gets pretty exhausting, doesn't it, to hold tight. How tight are you clenching those fists right now? Is there a different way? Let go for a moment. Doesn't that feel different? <laughs> You, can, you don't just feel it in your hands, you feel it move through your whole body, this, this release of tension, this, this anxiety. And so many of us are living with clenched fists, holding on to what we can hold on to, things that we hope to be able to take under our control. And not just those things, things in our past that we're maybe trying to hold on to and control. And God's calling us forward, he's saying there's a different way, there's a different way to live with surrender. 
I think in our world, we live with a clenched fist mentality. This world around us, there's this clenched fist idea. When, and we don't have to look very far. It's so easy to pick on politics these days, isn't it, right? We can blame everything on politics and on government and on the parties. But I see that in such a big way. It's this, this clenched fist idea of I have to hold on or we have to hold on to power, to control at all costs. It's a, it's a zero-sum gain. We either have it or we don't. we got to annihilate everyone else. Because if we don't, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Hell in a hand, hell in a hand basket. <laughs> it's going somewhere in a bad way. <laughs> and we got we to gotta make sure that, that we get control, that we hold on to what we have. And we see it in, in not just in politics, we see it in finances, in the economy. Right? We don't want to lose in a time of inflation or when stocks are going in the wrong direction or we're having, you know, investments aren't what they used to be. Isn't it easy to get into a clenched fist mentality? Got to hold on to what we have. Cash is king. We, we can't lose anymore. And so we're continuing grabbing tight. We're holding on to the things that we have because we don't want to lose them. I think back even to this, this you know, like we've had B.C. and A.D. There seems to be like a pre-pandemic and post-pandemic world, right? It's changed. It's different. Before the pandemic, I think there, we, the future was always uncertain, but we felt like we were kind of heading in a certain trajectory. Now, post-pandemic, doesn't it feel like the future is just completely uncertain all the time? The things that maybe we counted on aren't there. You can't even have a supply chain get you the stuff that you want, stuff that we counted on. And so even the uncertainty of the future, I think, makes us want to hold on tight to what we have. And so we hold fast. We clench our fists and say, I don't want to lose anymore. i got to get control. But what I think and what I fear is happening is as we grab tighter and we live our lives in this way, I think we start shrinking our world. We start shrinking the, the way that we view the future, the possibilities that are there, the way that we engage with others, the way we engage in our faith, because it's about trying to hold on to what we have. And you know how I know this is a reality among us, or at least I assume it is? It's because I feel it personally. Personally, this is something that, that in this season and in, in life, I look at my family and go, I just want to protect my family. I want to protect what we have. I don't want to lose what's there. We got we to make sure that, that, that life doesn't spin out of control. And I don't know if you feel that in your, in, in your life right now, just holding on to even tighter. I don't want to let go. And maybe it's even in an emotional way. Maybe it's even things from your own past that, that, that you look at and say, if I can just bury those things, if I can just keep those from coming out to the surface... Then, then, then nobody needs to know. And I'm control, in control of my story and in, in control of my future. We hold on. We hold, get tight. We get smaller. I think about that even for us as a church, not just in our society, not in our own, just in our own worlds, but even as we look at society and faith and it feels like the, the world is, is, is less friendly and conducive to um, the values of our Christian faith. Do you feel that around us? We definitely know there's, there's challenges in so many different ways. And, and you know, it, it, when I tell people that I'm a pastor, people are like, oh, that's so wonderful. Like, what? You're weird. Like, strange. people still do that? Like, you, you literally live your life for Jesus in that way? Like, it's, it's not this respected profession and, and what people are doing. Like, we, I feel that. We feel that in our world and our society that, that even our faith values are, are not being, being advanced in the way that, that our culture at one point was aligned with Christian values. And we're finding, we're finding that tension. We see in, in churches across the, the nation the struggle to, to bring people in. People aren't thinking about, about church. It's not on the front of their mind. 
we've seen loss, we've, we've, we've experienced it here at Meadow Park. It, it's, it's a, and, and so how do, what do we do? Do we, do we just close our fists? Do we hold on tighter and we get into this mentality of, I don't want to lose anymore. We just got to hold on to what we have and, and just, just hunker down, circle the wagons. And it's this living in this clenched fist idea. How do we open ourselves up? How do we see what's next? Even as we've been sharing about uh, the, the renovation plans and the renewal plans for the next few years, what we want to do, that's going to be coming up here in a, in a couple weeks as we share that. I got to tell you, as a pastor, there's a part of me in leadership that goes, wow, is this the right time? Is this the right time to take new steps forward? Is this the time to challenge us in, in financial ways to take new steps? Shouldn't we just lock down? Shouldn't we just play it safe? And there's this challenge that says, how do we open up and how do we live with open hands? And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we move from living in a clenched fist mentality to an open hand mentality? It's really a different posture altogether. And I wonder if our, if, if, how much of an impact we can have in our world if the world looks at us. If people look at us, your neighbors, your classmates, your coworkers, they look at you and see somebody who is living in a surrendered way who's living in a way of possibility, in a way of openness to see what God can do versus somebody who's fearful and afraid and holding on tight to not lose control. What would it look like to let go? And what is God calling us to let go today? I want to look at that today. We're going to look at a key story where God really peer, peered into someone's heart and challenged them on the one thing that they needed to let go. And so let's do that today. Let's look at uh, a scripture. If you've uh, got your Bibles with you or your, your phone, you got an app, let's go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at a story in Mark chapter 10. Spend our time uh, mostly there this morning. And in this, uh, in this story, Jesus is, uh, you know, walking as he often does. He's on his way with doing, doing ministry. And he's approached by what the, the Bible tells us is the rich young ruler is the heading. Now, that's a pretty amazing title, even in and of itself, to be rich, to be young, and to be ruler. That was very unusual in that day and age, as it would even be today. That's a pretty, pretty high challenge, to have the kind of resources, to be in a place of position and authority and wealth. He had this, and he comes up to Jesus, and he asks him some questions. So here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down, and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's a guy who's, who's successful, who's doing all the right things. He's living life large. And, and what he, 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 I get from him is he's a mover and a shaker, someone who takes action. And even by his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's, he's like, you got to do something. You got to take action. There's, 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 that's how he's gotten to where he's been in his life. He knows that, that it takes a man of action to accomplish the things that he needs. And he's got a great question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He's got some things figured out in this world. And now he's realizing, though, there's something more. There's something else. There's something beyond what's here. And he's going to Jesus with that question. It's a great place to go, right? <laughs> if you have Jesus... This is a good question to ask him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so now this guy, this rising star, asks this question, and Jesus responds. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus begins, he said, all right, you want to know what you need to do? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. You know the commandments, they've been around for a long time. You ask what you need to do. This is the practical part of our faith, and we live this out. How are you doing? Are you actually living out your faith? 
It's not just something that you aspire to, some kind of theological thought or belief, but it's showing in your actions. You're doing these things. And, and, and so are you cheating anyone as you're on your way to, you know, the success that you have? Are, are you stealing from anyone? Are you being faithful uh, in your relationships? And so Jesus is saying, okay, you want to know what to do? Well, let me ask you, are you doing what you know you need to do? The man replied, teacher, I have obeyed all these commands, commandments since I was young. So here's this upstanding guy. Not only is, this, is he successful and he's, he's, he's doing well in, in, in this world, He's been faithful to his parents. He honors his parents. He's not cheated anyone. He's been upstanding in his relationships with his girlfriend or wherever that is. He's, he's being an obedient follower of the faith. He's living that out. And so I love this next verse here. So Jesus, it says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So did he just feel love for him because he was doing all the things that were right and he was living in that way? But I think there's something where Jesus stepped back and sees this guy. He's hungry. He's, he's ambitious. He's forward-thinking. And, and he's looking at him. And, and yet at the same time, he's going, this, he's trying to be devout. He's living his life according to faith. And he just has the, I, I see like this father looking at his kids and just looking past all that and saying, ah, oh, I just feel genuine love. Genuine love. And in this moment, he's looking at him. But what does he see? What's he seeing as he's looking at him? What's, what's, and, and that question that's still lingering in his mind, what, what this man wanted to know. What must I do? So he pauses, and then he says this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him, and he said this. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. How would you like to be in this young man's shoes? <laughs> There's still one thing you haven't done. He's looking with love. He's not in con condemnation. He's looking in love. He sees this guy's genuine heart. There's still one thing you lack. That one thing. One thing I'm pretty confident about this morning is that each and every one of us have a one thing. So let's go ahead and share our one thing this morning. <laughs> our one thing. This one thing that we might still be holding on to, this one thing that, that Jesus is calling us out to ask, what is that one thing? What's your one thing that's holding you back? That's really key here as we talk about this whole idea of clenched fist, this idea of surrendering and letting go. What is that one thing that you're holding on to, this, this thing that trips you up, this thing that, that every time it comes up, you just kind of push it to the sidelines? This thing that is either in, in, in your faith that's holding you back from full devotion to God, something that's, that's, uh, that you're burying from the past that you just hope never surfaces again, what is that one thing that kicks your butt every time you deal with it? Jesus knows the one thing. See, that's the thing. Jesus knows. We try to hide it from everyone else, but he knows. He looks at us and he sees us out of genuine love and compassion. He says, there's, there's this, 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 this one thing that you need to deal with. See, holding on to our one thing keeps us from receiving the best thing. And that's where Jesus is looking in love and compassion saying, I, I see so much in you. I see so much of potential and what's next and what's holding you back. But it's that one thing that's keeping you from experiencing the best thing. There's this one thing while well, Jesus now tells him what it is. He says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven then come, follow me. Wah, wah. Oh. If I'm in this guy's shoes, 
That would be hard, wouldn't it? I mean, everything he worked for, everything he's done so hard, isn't this God's blessing on his life? Hasn't he provided? God, how can you ask for this, this one thing? It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. It's all my stuff. It's all my possessions. You want me to sell these and give to the poor and then come and follow you? Oh, man, what a, what a dilemma. What do you do at this point? There's a d- decision point now. How do, what do I do in this moment? Do I keep the stuff or do I say, okay, Jesus, I'll sell it. I'll give everything away. Because what did Jesus say? The one thing is keeping you from the best thing. Eternal treasure. Treasure in heaven that you will receive. And then he said, then come follow me. Jesus was inviting him to be one of his disciples. We don't know this man's name, but I imagine, had he responded differently, if you know the story, the next verse says he went away sad. (laughs) He couldn't do it. But had he done it, he would have been one of the disciples whose names I believe we would have known. He would have experienced a whole different life. But this was the thing. This was the thing that was holding him back. And here's the thing. The very thing you hold on to for security can hold you back from salvation. This is a call for everyone who comes to abandon their life to Christ, to, to surrender to Christ. We ultimately have to lay it all down. We talk about being all in. Nothing held back and say, say Jesus, we give it all to you. I surrender this to you. And it's a matter of even salvation. Is eternal salvation here. What, what is it that God is calling you to give up? What is that one thing? For this young man, it was his possessions. It was his stuff. It was his things. And I venture to say that could be the case for many of us. In the society we live in, in the culture we live in, in the affluence that we experience, I think this is a, a challenge for all of us. But this isn't a universal statement that everyone has to sell everything they have to follow Jesus. Jesus knew what his one thing was that was tripping him up, and this was the case for him. When the man heard this, it says in the next verse, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many decisions. He made his choice. He couldn't part. He couldn't take that step. He wasn't ready to go all in. And he walks away sad. And that was the decision point. That was that moment. Did he continue to hold on or was he willing to surrender and let go? At that, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, pause here just for a moment. Before we uh, picture the rich as someone else, Whenever rich comes up in scripture, I'll do this every time as I'm your pastor and look through scripture, it's talking to us, okay? It's talking to us. We live in the most affluent nation in the history of the world. In the perspective of all of the nations around the globe, we are rich. Anyone else in this world would look at anyone here this morning and would look and say, you're rich, okay? When we look from a global perspective and, and God's providing for us. So don't just think this applies to others, right? Jesus looked around how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard when you've got stuff. It's hard when you've got possessions. It's hard when you've got means. Why is it hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, I think even just the title of the rich is what, what's defining this group of people? It's the money. It's the wealth. It's the riches. That's the defining piece. That's what makes them the rich, or that's what makes them the famous, or right? The influencers. It's what's that thing that is defining who you are and your identity. 
and to be able to give that up. Now, the Bible talks about do not covet. Thou shalt not covet, right? One of the, the commandments. Coveting actually means to grasp so tightly that you don't let go, to covet something, to take hold of it, to not want to let go of that, to, 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 to clench with tight fists. It's hard for us to part with our stuff and our things and our money and our possessions. Rick Warren says it this way, if God ever gives you something and he tells you to give it away and you can't, then you don't own it, it owns you. Right? Possessed by our possessions. Now again, this message isn't just about our possessions. This is a story that, that, that Jesus looks at an individual and sees this is the one thing for him. But I believe this is a one thing for, for many of us. A challenge where, where God's calling us in a surrender to say, how do I yield more of myself, my stuff, my things, who I am to what God wants to do in this world? The disciples, it says the next verse, were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. I guess there's no hope for any of us. <laughs> who in the world? I mean, if it's about like, you know, our possessions and our stuff and our things, then I don't know if anybody can be saved because I think the disciples even acknowledging it's hard. We all have this tension. We all have something that, that holds us in this way. But then Jesus says a very key thing. Jesus looked at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. I believe that's why we're here. I believe that's why we have faith. I believe we, we, we come together to transcend what is in this world to realize there's a different path. There's a different way. It's not just humanly speaking what's happening here, but there's a different way where God says, oh, it is possible. It absolutely is possible with God to, to free our hearts from the things that we're holding on to, the things that we clench our fists around so tightly. There is another way forward. Then Peter says, he speaks up and he says, we've given up everything to follow you. And they did. Peter did, and some of those disciples that followed him, they did. They gave up their businesses. They gave up their fishing and their nets and their families, and they began to travel with Jesus day in and day out. It was a surrender. They literally gave up so much. And Jesus said to them, Yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. Oh. It was going so well up until that point. <laughs> we were with you, Jesus. Multiply a hundred times everything, along with persecution. And the disciples experienced that. They understood that, 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 that they received so much more. But you go, what was Jesus talking about? How do you receive a hundred mothers more? <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I... I can have my mom and a mother-in-law, but how do I get... We talked about this in our last series, the power of the circle, right? Remember we talked about how many of us here own cars? As a community, we own all those cars, right? I've got hundreds of cars at my disposal, right? You guys would lend me a car if I needed a car, right? No? Yeah? I mean, I'd lend you my car, right? I mean, we have access, right? It's a part of being a community, and, and sometimes that blessing is absolutely dollar for dollar in a way that God blesses, but it's in so many other ways. But he also doesn't leave out and persecution, there's difficulty, there's challenge. When you follow Jesus, when you surrender, it's not all you know, rainbows and lollipops, right? It's, there's challenges. You will receive in this world. But then he says, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Jesus is always turning things 
upside down and saying there's different perspectives. There's the kingdom perspective and there's our perspective. And when we see from a human perspective, we try to hold on because we know from the human perspective, we only own what we hold on to. The things we have, the things we hold on to, the things we tuck away, that's ours and we have it. That's what the world says. So get more, acquire more, hold on to more, take hold of people and things and organizations and stuff and gather. But the kingdom principle is different for surrender. It says you can't receive if you don't let go. And this is what's so hard. You can't receive if you don't let go, right? If you're holding on tight, you can't receive. And God is constantly calling us to say, learn to let go. If you learn to let go, that's when you're in a posture of being able to receive. So if Jesus is asking you, what's your one thing? What's your one thing? That you just know that if, if I could surrender this to God, my life would look different. Maybe it's the first step of faith. It's the doubt. It's the struggle. It's some questions that you have. It doesn't mean to ignore them, but it just might mean to say, God, I surrender those to you, and I believe you're going to speak truth and answer, and I'm going to step out in faith to receive what you have, even as I continue to seek you. That's a step of faith. Maybe, maybe it's even the, the step of baptism. You're going, I, I just don't want to get up in front of people, and I don't want to get baptized. And God's saying, just, just let that go. Like, surrender. Take that step. And watch what, what happens in, when you take that step of obedience. Maybe it is in this realm of, of finances. And for years and years, you've heard about being generous with your stuff and your things and, and tithing and giving, but you just make up every excuse and the other to not give to God's work. And God's saying, just trust me. Open your hands, give, and watch what you will receive in return. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in. And you know it's just not leading you in the right direction and, and you're, you're, you're dating this person and you're going, no, God's saying, let, let that go. Or maybe it's a friendship that's dragging you down. And you know you need to go in a different direction. Maybe you, you've given up on your marriage and God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't give up on your marriage. Start investing. Go back into that. Let go of this, this, this dream that you have of something else and moving somewhere else. No, no, dive back into what you have. Maybe it's a dream or, or a future that you said, it has to go this way. If it's not going this way, I don't know, with, with your job, with your career, with something. Let go. Surrender. God, speak into this. Move through me. What do we need to let go of? It's called living with open hands, right? Jesus calls us to live with open hands. There's a passage in, in, in Matthew where Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he starts telling his disciples, look, you're, you're following me, and you're expecting great things and big things, and he begins to crush their expectation of the future. They're holding on to a certain future that, man, I'm with Jesus now. Things are going to be awesome. Things are going forward. And Jesus tells them, you know what? Actually, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and uh, things aren't going to go well. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get beaten. They're going to get flogged. And ultimately, you know what? They're going to kill me. Now, that doesn't really gel with what the disciples thought was going to be the future, the path that they were going to go on. I'm following Jesus. I want to, I want to hang on his coattails, right? The, the Messiah who's going to set up his kingdom. It, it, this, it, and Peter rebukes Jesus. says, no, 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 Jesus, that will never happen. That can't happen that way. I don't know if it was his own desire for the future or if he just thought Jesus in his strength and power would never allow that to happen. But in that moment, Jesus actually rebukes Peter and he goes back to him and said, get behind me, Satan. 
You don't understand. You don't understand what's going on. And there's a, in, in Matthew 16, 23, he says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Sounds like what we just heard earlier in the story, right, of the, of the rich young ruler, right? You're, you're seeing things from a human perspective, but with God, everything's possible. Peter, why are you seeing things just from a human perspective? There's another one. And, and you can't fault Peter or any of us for seeing things from a human perspective, right? Because we're human, right? So that's the natural perspective we see things from. And that's the beauty of God's word. That's the beauty of scripture. It's the beauty of, of, of the faith that allows us to get these glimpses of seeing the world from a different perspective, to see the upside down kingdom at work. And that the more that we fight that tendency to live out of our human perspective and learn to see and live out of God's perspective, things begin to look different. Life begins to change. And Jesus said, you're not seeing things in the right perspective. Look from God's view. And then he says these, these, these well-known words, Matthew 16, 24, on. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We talk about surrender and clenched fists, right? I mean, there's, I can't think of a verse that embodies that more than when Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. We spend our whole lives trying to hold on, trying to get a hold of what we can. And Jesus is saying, learn to surrender. Learn to let go. What is it that God is calling you to let go? Great 1980s song from 38 Special. Anyone back from the 1980s remember? I know it's a long time ago. There's a lyric in that song. <laughs> so hold on loosely, but don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. Somebody's got to go listen to that later after, after church. <laughs> Something there, though, right? If you hold on tightly, you're going to lose control. Let go. Let God into these different places. Because it's when we give up that it can lead to really the life that God has called us to. I think of the, just, uh, you know, our, our, our children's ministry right now has uh, got a theme of, um, of a circus. I don't know if you've been upstairs or if you see that area. It's all themed in circus. It's kind of fun. The big, big top. Um, have you ever seen trapeze? Right? I think a great illustration that just when you think about letting go and surrender. You know, they, they climb up this tall ladder and then they, they, they grab this little bar on this big swing, right? And they swing back and forth and swinging back and forth. And they have to hold on, right? I mean, you don't want to fall. You got to hold on. But it wouldn't be very exciting if all we did was watch for 10 minutes somebody just swinging back and forth on a bar. Eventually, they're going to lose power. They're going to lose energy. They're going to get tired and they're going to lose their grip and they're going to fall, <laughs> right? And that wouldn't be very exciting. We wouldn't be going to circuses um, does anyone still go to circuses? Anyway, we wouldn't have gone to circuses in the past um, to see that. It's pretty remarkable. But what happens is they got to swing, right? And they're swinging and they're going back and forth. But there's a key other component. There's other people that are swinging. There's the catcher, right? He's hanging upside down with his, his knees over the bar and usually a pretty big buff guy with big arms, and right? And they're starting to get in sync and they're swimming, they're swinging together. And all of a sudden there's like, a, I don't know, they do like a clap or a hoop. They make some kind of sound. And that's when the person on the trapeze, right, is supposed to let go. And as they let go, they start doing flips and twists and doing all this cool stuff. And then there comes that moment where it's like, right, <laughs> caught. 
caught by the catcher, and everyone oohs and ahs and wows, and it's this, this great, entertaining, beautiful art form to see. And I think about that in terms of like the grip and holding on to. Like so many times we're just swinging on that bar and we think that's where life is. It's on the bar. I've got the bar. I'm not going to let go of the bar. And there's so much more that God wants us to experience. There's so much more than when he says, all right, let, let go. Because we've got a catcher. We've got one who's going to call us out and say, let go. I will be there. I will catch you. And you're going to experience something amazing, something remarkable in your life. But yet we settle for holding on to the one thing. What is God calling you to let go of. I know for us as a church, as we enter in this next season of what God's calling us to, we have to be in a posture of surrender. We need to get into a place where we say, God, we hold loosely what you've given us. We hold loosely to our past. We hold loosely to the expectations of the future because, God, we want to see you work in a big way. Our time, our resources, our heart for you. And so this is really a season of preparation for us for what God wants to do. What is God calling you to surrender to him today. What is it that you need to let go of that you're holding on to? What's your one thing? I just want us to pause for a moment as we close here, and I want you to just have a, a moment with God this morning and let him look at you with love and compassion. And what's he saying to you? There's one thing that he's asking you. What is that? Take a moment to spend some time with your Heavenly Father, and then we'll pray. At this moment, I just take your hands, put them on your lap, and just clench your, your fists together and just symbolizing God. Here's this thing that that I've been holding on to. And just speak it out. Say to God what it is that, that you know that that's been a challenge for you, that's been a hurdle for you, something that you've been burying deep down or a fear that you have for the future or something that you're trying to control that just isn't going your way. Maybe it's stuff, maybe it's possessions, maybe it's something that God has asked you to do that you are just have been putting off. Heavenly Father, we just recognize that there's something all of us, we, we hold on to. We try to control, we try to just direct and, and solve on our own. Father, would you help us to live in a surrendered posture? As we open our hands to you, we just ask for your freedom. We ask for just the openness to live with expectancy, God, of what might happen, what could come, to see you move in a way that, that would surprise us beyond what we can imagine. God, we want to receive your blessing. We want to receive your promise. And so help us to live with open hands today, to embrace what you have for us in the future, to be people in our society, in our world, in the places you've placed us, to live with an openness, an open-handedness, God, that just allows your blessings to flow through us to those around us. Bring us freedom today. Bring us hope. Father, maybe today someone here for the first time wanting to give their life to you to say, God, I've, I give you my doubt, my, my uncertainties, my fear, the control I'm trying in my life, God, and I just surrender completely to you, God. I receive your son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. 
God, forgive me of my sins. Put me on a new path, Lord. I pray that this would be a new day and a new beginning with you. God, we pray for our church and what you're calling us to. God, may we be a people that live with open hands to receive what you have for us and to embrace a new future together. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.